Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. The reason why that's important is I want you to look around and see like the people that have kind of like joined or become a part of our family or, or jumped in on what we're doing. And so for those of you who raised your hand and were not here last year, this um, you probably heard little bits and pieces of this, but you're going to hear kind of the full story today. And, and so I just can't wait to share with you this whole idea called legacy. And last year, because I went back and looked at my notes, last year I did this whole sermon on this incredible legacy moment in Scripture where Jesus looks at the act of a woman and he says, this moment will be written down and remembered forever. And you're like, dang, how awesome would it be to live a life like that? We're like, hold on, Jesus, Jesus took note of what you did and was like, I'm going to make sure everybody knows this story. And that's what the story was, this whole idea of like she did something so incredible that she left a legacy. And so from that, we just jumped into this idea, and I began to share the story, and I'll, I'll just retell the quick version of the story. Um, if you don't know anything about our church, New Beginnings really started in 2009. That's when we kind of officially launched and became uh, our own church. And so since 2009, we've been in this building, and I remember on day one of this building, was anybody here on day one of this building? Yeah, like, okay, awesome, man, yeah. So do y'all, do y'all remember, we rolled in, and so there's like a 24-foot trailer back here that we roll in on, and it has all these cool, like, roadie cases. But back then, we didn't have any roadie cases. Y'all know what we had? Them Rubbermaid totes. We had, like, a thousand Rubbermaid totes. We just one, one at a time, those things. And so we rolled in here in 2009. We started this church officially. And, uh, and so anyway, it's been an incredible journey and story, and it's just a privilege to be a pastor. And I love this town, and I love you people. It's just, it's awesome. And we've been in this facility. Now, across the street, if you've got kids you know, or if you've been to any of our small groups or classes or things or whatever, we have a, an office and multi-purpose uh, a facility across the street. But this is where we have a Sunday morning lease. And we've been doing this since 2009. Well, in November of 2016, the guy who runs the Shriners Event Center, we're just kind of chopping it up, talking after service, and all of a sudden he drops this, this bomb on me, this awesome bomb. And he goes, hey, um, you know, I think, I think we're going to sell this building in about two or three years. Um, you want to buy it? To which I said, well, yeah. I don't know if I can buy it, but I mean, I want to buy it. I'm like a kid at a candy store. Of course I want that. Do you want, do you want to buy this building? Because we're going to sell it. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, let me, let me look into it. And so sure enough, I start sitting down and talking to board members, and I start talking to Bankers and construction people and architect people and unique pastors and people who'd bought and renovated and done building projects. And I started talking to like people that had done like campaigns and different. I talked to everybody that I possibly could. I talked to real estate people and everybody that I shared what was going on. Everybody was on board. Everybody thought it was a yes, a big yes. Absolutely. Go for it. Let's do it. And everybody was excited. And so anyway, we just be, kind of began this journey. And, and one of the most interesting conversations that I had was with the banker. Now, I didn't know this guy, but he's like the, I won't tell you the name of the bank, but he's one of the head loan officers specifically for churches in the entire West Coast. And I start talking to him and asking him questions. And, and um, you know, one of the things that I do, you, you can take this away as a nugget. This isn't in the notes. One of the things I do is whenever I talk to smart people in a field that know what they're doing, because I'm not in that field and, and I, I don't know, one of the things I'll do is I'll ask as many questions as I can come up with that I think would be important. But then at the end, I ask him this question. I say, hey, what should I be asking that I don't even know to ask, right? Because you don't know what you don't know, right? So always ask, what, what, what should I be asking? 
And I asked him this question, and I thought he'd come back with some type of numbers and math and some type of percentage or something other. And you know what he said to me? He said something so weird. It stopped me. He goes, why do you want the building? What do you mean, why do I want the building? I never even thought of that. I just knew I wanted a building. I didn't know why I wanted a building. And I thought, well, duh. Isn't it just better to own than to rent? Isn't it, isn't it better just to have cooler options and like not just Sunday morning, but all week long? And wouldn't it be cooler to, 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 to redo kids' rooms and create classes and to have, you know, just have comfier chairs for you? Can I get an amen? And so, you know, just like, you know, better sound quality and all. Wouldn't it, duh. I thought, I thought that was the answer. I thought it was duh. But I didn't say that because that would be rude to say to a banker that you need to give you money. So, so I literally just thought about it for a second. I had this little God moment. I had this little epiphany moment. And what rose up in my heart was this idea. You know why I want a building? I want a building because I want to set this church up, not just to be a great church right here, right now, but I want to set this church up to be connecting people to Christ for generations to come. And that's what I told the guy. I was like, I want to put this church into a position where long after I'm dead and gone, this church is still connecting people to Christ. Long after we're not here anymore, we're up in heaven celebrating with Jesus, this church will be connecting people to Christ. And that's why we launched this legacy campaign, because we just felt like, you know what, not only is it kind of like a duh, of course we should you know, probably do this, not only is it like this legacy thing, but you know what? The other reason, too, is because if they're going to sell this building, they're going to sell it to somebody else and not us. And, and, and then I don't want to have to even think about that. I want to set this church up to be great, to lift up the name of Jesus for generations to come. And when I shared this, we were all like, yes, we were all on board. And so it, it just kind of started this, this, this legacy campaign. And we started preaching and talking about legacy. And I started digging into the scriptures and all that the scriptures have to say about legacy. Like, like, like here's a thought, like the Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's legacy, isn't it? Like when you think about legacy, you start thinking about like, what is it that I'm going to leave behind me? And it's a little depressing when you start asking yourself, like, what have I really done in this life that's going to matter a generation from now? Because outside of our, our kids, most of us don't have something that says, man, that's a legacy. Like that's something that, that made an impact and made a difference. And so I just thought, man, it's important to me that I create a legacy mentality, a legacy heart, a legacy life. This is more than just a church and a building. This is about an entire lifestyle of becoming a legacy-minded person. And, so, and Jesus talks about this. Jesus talks about this idea of laying for yourselves treasures in heaven. Like, he wasn't even saying, like, hey, plan in such a way that you can be able to set up your kids' kids for success on earth. That's great, right? That's wisdom. We all agree with that. That'd be awesome. Jesus said, go even deeper. What if you set yourself up for eternal reward? What if you set up for yourself? What if you just didn't think long term about your 401k? What if you thought eternally about all your stuff? That's a legacy mentality. Because the only thing about this, the only thing that gets from this place to the next place is people. All that stuff you collecting, it ain't gonna make it. That's why he said there's rust and there's moss and thieves break in and steal. In heaven, apparently there's no moss. Can I get an amen, ladies? You just don't want no moss grow. And no thieves. You know, I have to worry about. It. So, so he's saying be eternally minded, be legacy minded, be a planner, be a thinker, think long term. Be a legacy minded person. So we just started this journey, and so today I want to share with you a a 
a very similar opportunity and moment in Scripture where other people had what they believed was their moment, their legacy moment, and they had their opportunity. They felt like God spoke to them and said, we want you to build a building. Like that was what they all felt God was telling. We, it's time for us to build a building. And it wasn't just kind of any building. It would become the most special and important building really in all of Israel's history. They called it Solomon's temple. And so this thing, let me tell you about this temple real quick here. They collected so much gold and silver and bronze and jewels and stones and they imported, you know, trees from foreign lands and they they made the most incredible building that I I've seen this and I've seen different numbers, but the numbers are ridiculous no matter what, which ones are accurate. But what they did was is people said, "Okay, if they gave this much gold, this much silver, this much in precious stones and jewels and 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 all this stuff and they built this incredible building, like if you had to build this building today, it's close to $100 billion to create. Now, let me give you some perspective. Anybody been to Levi Stadium, seen the Niners lose? Well, until Jimmy G got there. Um, Levi Stadium's $1.3 billion to build. Solomon's temple was around 100. <laughs> this building is insane. Took them years to build it with no construction. No, no I mean, think about it. Like, they didn't have bulldozers. They didn't have crane, they didn't have any of that stuff, and they built this incredible and immaculate building. And for hundreds of years, that building was... And funny enough, like eventually Israel would do something crazy and dumb and sinful, and somebody would come in and wreck the temple or destroy the temple. They'd rebuild it, and then they'd destroy it, and then they rebuild it, and eventually... I don't want to get into the details, but I'm just telling you, for hundreds of years, this building was built around 900 B.C. And so for hundreds of years, this became the most important building in Israel's history. And I'm going to tell you how they built it. I'm going to tell you why... They built it. And then I'm going to show you this humble revelation that came from it all. Are you ready? I'm going to read a bunch of scripture. Follow along with me as best you can. The Bible says this. First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 1 says, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great. Because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, for the house of of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for the things made of gold, silver for things made of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood. We get it, wood for things of wood, okay. Onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones. Girls, can I get an amen? Like all kinds of, you know. He got it at, uh, anyway, he got it at Jared's. Um, moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. My own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, the 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. I mean, you're like, what's that, what's that made of? That's silver. Um, the gold of things of gold, back to that thing. Gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So the leaders. Well, the leaders of the father's house, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and hundreds, and the officers over the king's work, the leaders offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks. I don't even know what a derrick is. Derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. My gosh, this is a lot. 
And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel, the Gershonite from Gershi, from Gershon. Verse 9, last verse, and this said at least, then the people rejoiced, for the people had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So this is the, the how. Right? Like, how do you build a building? Well, you, bless God, we're doing, a, we're doing a temple campaign is what we're doing. And bless God, I'm, everybody's giving and everybody's in on it and everybody's going to go. And this, this is how it goes. First thought, I'll give you just kind of five quick thoughts from these scriptures. Number one is this, is they had a understanding that the work is great. That's what he said. Hey, look, Solomon Jonah experienced, and this is a big deal. The, the work is great. This is huge. This is so important. This is This is eternal. This is something that's so spiritually profound. This is something to the Lord our God. This is a big deal. The work is great. Don't minimize this. And sometimes that's the temptation that you and I can fall into. Is is sometimes we take a look at what we do at church or as a church. And we begin to minimize it. But you never know. You can't quantify. You can't qualify. You can't quite measure what a kingdom impact looks like. You can't measure the seed sown and the people's lives that are changed. You can't measure the ripple effect that it has into family future and family stories. Have you ever thought about that? you ever thought about your family? Does anybody have like a story where like, man, I'm here because grandma prayed. You know, I remember it was my grandma that did this and, you know, my mom did this. And then that's that's why I'm here today. So you you have no idea that you're not even here because you got yourself here. You got here because there was a ripple effect into history because you can't quantify what God does in the hearts of people. And so what I want you to do is this is I don't want you to think about a building as as just brick and mortar and and things and, and, and wiring and plumbing. I want you to think about. No, no, it's 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 an opportunity. It's a, it's a resource. It's a, it's a place. It's an environment. Have you ever thought about this? Everybody comes to Jesus in an environment. You ever thought about that? There's some kind of environment. Think about your story. At some point, you turned in your heart towards God in an environment. And what is a building designed to do? It's designed to create an environment. It's an environment where we help connect people to Christ. Because when I think about this building, I don't think about the building itself. I think about what you do in a building. Like I start thinking about like baptisms. I start thinking about baby dedications. I start thinking about like weddings and and funerals even. I, I start thinking about like kids classrooms and kids learning about Jesus from the time that they're born and all the way through. I think about marriage counseling. I think about classes where you're learning scripture. I, I just think about life change taking place. I think about us as a, as a corporate group of people worshiping and honoring and glorifying Jesus. Isn't that what, what the Bible says? The Bible says where Jesus is lifted up, when, when the name of Jesus would be lifted up, that he would draw all men unto himself, that that happens in an environment. It's a big deal. You can't quantify. I'm just telling you the work is great. And that's a vague word because you can't even figure out how great it truly is. The work is great. It's a big deal. Number two is this, is David said, I set my affection. I set my affection. One of the things that I think in the, in the how they pulled this off is, is it was not something that was purely cerebral, but it was something that was highly emotional. And I mean that in a good way. 
I mean like they put their heart into it. It mattered to them. Like it stirred within them. There was a passion or excitement about it with them. And what's interesting is when you read the story, he said, I set my affection because I have given. I set my affection because I have given. It reminded me of that moment where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It was like, no, no, no. When you give to something, it changes your heart. When you give to... Parents, you ever wonder why your kid tear you up inside? Why? Because you gave so much. Other kids screw up? Does that turn your heart? Mess you up? No. Usually are judging their parents. You're not tore up about that. Why are you tore up about your kids? They're mine. My heart is invested. I set my affection on them little rug rats. I nursed them. I birthed them. I, I raised them. I trained them. I taught, I did. I gave my life for them. I set my affection. And that's what you have to do, I think, to do the great work that is required us. You have to set your affection. It's not, it's not cerebral. So I want you for, for, for moments to suspend the intellectual aspect of it and say, God, my heart is just about your kingdom come, your will be done. My heart is about creating an environment where we connect people to Christ. That, that's Christ. That's where my heart is. Number three is this, is that they consecrated themselves. So, so not only was there like my passion and my heart got involved with it, but like at some point, like I dedicated myself. I, to consecrate literally means to like to separate, right? To set something apart, to make it holy. Funny enough, in the Hebrew word, it was like to fill it up. That's what the Hebrew, if you look at the Hebrew, it's to fill it up. He goes, no, we consecrate, we filled it up. Everything within us, we are filling it up to say, you know what? I'm not just going to give God my heart. I'm going to give God my head. I'm going to give God my labor. I'm going to give God my stuff. I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to give everything that I possibly can because ultimately a consecrated building comes from consecrated people. Let me say it again. A consecrated building comes from consecrated people because the reality is this. You can own any building you want You can bless God, put stained glass windows and a cross on it. But if Jesus' presence is not there, that ain't a church. Like, like it's not about the brick and mortar. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about a consecrated people creating an environment where the name of Jesus is lifted high. But you've got to do that now. It's not like, well, when the building comes. No, no, no. Now, in our hearts, our passion, but then we're setting apart and filling it up. And then this is where you really see the how start to develop. The next thing it says is, is that David set his affection and David had already given as the leader, but then he gathered all the other leaders. And it says, number four is this, is that the leaders offered willingly. So they're like, we're all in too, Dave. We're, we're, we're in on this thing. And this is what we did. I don't know if you know this or not. When we started this campaign, before we launched, I actually gathered... I think about 30 people who were some of the most kind of generous and sacrificial and servant-minded people. And I just gathered them. I said, well, hey, you know what? And this is where this comes from. You ever wonder, like, why do you do that? This is where it comes from. So I gathered these people, people that had been with us for a long time, people had already proven that they were all in. I said, hey, let's lead the way. So what they did is weeks in advance, they gave a a pre-pledge. And so out of the almost million dollars that we pledged last year, I mean, the, the biggest percentage of it came from 30 people. 30 people said, no, we're, we're all in. We believe. We're, all, we're already in. Our heart is set, and we are all in on this. And we had leaders give in advance just so that we could just kind of have this same model and encourage you, hey, we're all in on this. Will you please join us? And then so sure enough, the next thing is this, number five, is this, is that the people offered willingly. It's that they rejoiced. 
They were so stoked and excited. Again, they're seeing what's happening. They're seeing the great work starting to come together, even though it takes years to finally kind of put together. The Bible says they were all in, and they offered willingly. And this is how they built the temple. I mean, I read for you the scriptures because everything was gold for the things that were gold and silver for the things that were silver and iron for the things that were iron and bronze for the things. And they're just like, what do you need? You need some bronze? I'm going to go get some bronze. And you need some, you need some, I got stones. I'll give you the stones. And they just kept giving willingly and kept sacrificing. And they gave this extraordinary offering. And that's how they built the temple. But you ever wonder why they built the temple? Because the, the, the how is important because we got to pull it off, right? But the why is more important. And listen to the why because it, he, it's all in the text. It's all here in, in, in the scripture. See, the very next verse, verse number 14 says this. I'm sorry, not verse 14, verse 10. So verse 10 says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heavens and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. He goes, this is why we're doing it. We're going to do a great work because you're great. We're going to do something incredible because you're incredible. We're going to do our very best because God you are alone and there's nothing else like you. You stand alone. We're going to do it because you're... Did you notice that some of the language in this sounds a lot like the ending of the Lord's Prayer? Remember the ending of the Lord's Prayer? We get through our Father, heart in heaven, da, da, da. It says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can, can I get amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Because y'all looked at me like a cow looking at a new fence right there. So, So... So what's interesting is if you go read your Bible, Matthew, in Matthew's account, depending on which translation of the Bible you have, it's in there, but Luke doesn't have it in there. And then if you look in Matthew's account, like if you got an NIV or something like that, it'll have a little, uh, a little mark, and at the bottom it'll have a little note saying that this part of the prayer is not in the oldest manuscripts that we have. You ever read that before? What that means is this, we have tons of manuscripts, and the manuscripts are so concise compared to one another that it validates the, um, the authenticity of Scripture. It's a beautiful thing. But in some of the manuscripts, they would have that ending, for thine is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever, amen. And some of them didn't. And so we was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here, here's what you don't know. That became a common ending or doxology, if you will, to any Jewish prayer. And they stole it. Well, they stole it. It's free. It's in the Bible. But they took it from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. They took it from David's prayer. They took it from this moment in scripture and they just began to say, hey, look, every time we pray, let us remember who we're praying to and why we're praying and all that goes on. So we're just going to remind ourselves of the greatness of who God is. So God, yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever and amen. And that just became, you know how we get to the end of, the, of, of a prayer and we say in Jesus name, amen. That's their in Jesus name, amen. It's just, they would just put it on, because they want to be reminded of the greatness of God. I guess here's my point, is that the giving of money for the house of God was the work of God to reveal God so that we would stand in awe of God. That's the point. You ever wondered why you do something great? Because he's worthy. He's worthy for you to give everything that you've got. Now, I I showed you how they did it. They just gave like crazy people. 
They gave like there was no tomorrow. They gave holding nothing back. They gave without restraint. They gave ridiculously. That's how they did it. Why they did it was because they felt like God was worthy of ridiculous levels of generosity and sacrifice. But let me share with you the humble revelation that David came to. And this is beautiful. This will change your life. The humble revelation was found in the next verse, verse number 14, where he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. You know what the humble revelation is? I was so proud of myself, man. I gave big. You know how much money I gave last year at Legacy? Man, I wrote, I wrote this many hundred or this many thousand, and I gave. So I was so proud of myself. Look what we did, baby. And then the humble revelation is, is like, oh, in reality, I just kind of gave God back everything that he had given me. You've never done that before, have you? You ever gotten a gift and you weren't really in love with it? And all of a sudden, somebody else's Susie's birthday's coming up, right? She wasn't at my birthday party. All the more reason. I don't really want this, so I'm going to re-gift it and send it on down the line. It'll save me a few bucks. I, you know, we call that re-gifting, right? You know what the humble revelation is? This, this is the humble revelation. The humble revelation is that my very best is a humble reflection of all that God has given me. That's it. Uh, my, my best, my best talent, my best gifting, my best offering, my best worship. I sounded so pretty. I have such a beautiful voice. And when I worship, people love to hear me sing. And I just, it's just so awesome. And what you didn't realize was that God gave you lungs that you might take in breath and then release it out over vocal cords so that you might glorify him. You, you, did, you didn't even think about it. Like, like some of you are like, but Todd, you don't know where I came from. And I worked hard to get where I'm at. Who do you think gave you the drive, the determination? Who gave you the ability to sweat, to stay up late nights, to put in 60-hour weeks? Who gave you the very life that you have? All of your talent, all of your abilities, all of your gifting, everything that you've ever achieved in life is a humble reflection of everything God has given you. And David's like, dang, we gave gold you know, for the, the gold stuff. And we gave silver for the silver stuff and bronze. and uh, Remember all that stuff? And he dawns on him. Where did we get that stuff to begin with? My very best is just a humble reflection of all that God has. Isn't it, isn't it a humbling thing? But that's my best. <laughs> and he gave it all to me to begin with. I just, I just want to encourage you today that if you could join me in this journey. Because if you were here last year, I invited you to join me in this journey. And the leaders led the way and, and things are on par. And again, so to bring you back into the legacy realm, the legacy campaign. Um, what we did was uh, we did a launch called Miracle Offering Sunday. And in one day we raised over $100,000. And then over the course of the year, people gave above and beyond their normal giving. And we raised another $200,000 over the course of the year, which is incredible. Like, for a church our size, we're doing great. For a church, for, for what people pledge, we're, we're doing really, really well. And so I, I want to invite you in, though, because if you weren't a part of that, then there's a good chance that you heard about it but never joined in on it. And I, I need your help because the work is great. Because this building is not an homage to Todd. I promise. 
If that's the case, we should all go home right now. This this building is not even purely for us. This building is not even purely for generations to come, although that's all a part of it. At the end of the day, do you know why we give? Do you know why we sacrifice? Do you know why the work is great? It's because he is great and he's worthy of our sacrifice. And, 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 if we'll ever come to the conclusion that all the sacrifice that I really made wasn't even that much of a sacrifice anyway because everything that I had, he gave to me first. And so here's my invitation to you. Would you just just follow along me real quick here? This is what I need from you. This is my ask as a pastor. And I don't do this. I've never, we've been around for almost 10 years now. And when we launched Legacy, it's the first time I've ever asked anybody to do what I'm asking you to do and to redo and re-up or jump in on. And it's this, number one, is this the first thing and most important thing I need you to do is pray. It's, It's more important than giving because if we have a building but God's not here, we should all go home, right? We should have bar mitzvahs and, and, and crab feeds and quinceañeras, but not church. You don't need God for a quinceañera. If God is not in this place, we're wasting our time, which is why I need you to pray. God, would you please do something incredible in this church, not in the building, in the people. Would you, God, help set our affection? Would you help us consecrate ourselves Would you help us to go all in because the work is great? Will you do something in me? Will you use us to change lives for generations to come? What a humble thing to ask. God, would you use me to make a kingdom difference? Would you use me to make an eternal ripple effect into the future? Would you use me? And I want you to pray. The next thing I need you to do is this, is I need you to consider your finances. Because this is what I'm asking you to do is legit. Remember the how part? I mean, the why is great because God is great. And, and the humble revelation is true. But the how was legit. It was numbers. It was math. It was like, okay, well, if I need this much bronze, then I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move this bronze from this account into this account. And then I think we can, we can save this much silver over. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's numbers. I need you to consider your finances. I need you to consider, God, what can I do? Because how many know there's levels of giving? You ever, you ever thought about this? There's, there's levels of giving. Um, one of the levels of giving is this. What can I afford? right? Like, I got money. Well, what can I do? What, what, what can I afford? Because we all have something. What can I afford? Now, if, if things are tough and you're backed up and there's debt and this, and maybe you can't afford anything. Um, but most of us, you know, we're in a place where we can afford something. What can I afford? It's just math. But the second question goes deeper. The second question is, what can I sacrifice? And this is where we're at. And this is what the conversations that we had. It was like, okay, can we sell this stock? We can give our tax returns. We can cut out. Like, I haven't, I don't have cable anymore. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, I'm bootlegging off my buddy's cable just so I can watch golf on Sunday afternoons. And so, because I don't have cable anymore, I got Hulu. So, I, it just, again, we just look. Well, can we cut this? Can we cut that? I mean, I tried to sell a child. I mean, it just was like, I'm like, we got three. We don't need three. I mean, like, we can, we'll be fine with two. I'm kidding. I love my children. What, what can I sacrifice? What can I, what can I get? And, and, and here's the last one. What can I trust God to do through me? That would be the third question. So what can I afford? I don't know. That's for you to figure out. If you're married, you should pray and talk about that together. If you're single, you know, you definitely got something to afford because you're single. You don't pay for little rugrats. So, right? So like, what can I afford? What can I sacrifice? But God, what can you do through me? One of them is what can I afford? What can I sacrifice? The other one really is like, what can I believe God for? And I know people that went out and said, hey, I'm going to try this and do this. And I'm going to like try to go venture out here just so that I can have more to give. And that was 
That was what I want you to do. I want you to consider your finances. Now, if you've already pledged, then here's what I'm going to give you the opportunity to do. Is I, you know, if, if things have changed and things are, are rough and worse, then let's, let's, again, you can adjust your pledge. That's cool. If, if things are better now, let's adjust our pledge. If you've never done this before, I'm going to invite you to pledge. And basically, because it's a three-year campaign, but this is our first anniversary, it's just a two-year campaign for you in essence. And so what I would ask of you is this, God, what can I do over the next two years above and beyond my normal giving? Like, this is what I normally do. Because I mean, you know, like if you just say, well, I normally give this, so I'll just put this towards legacy. Then like, this doesn't exist for us to get to legacy. Does that, y'all tracking with me? So, so you got to remember, this is above and beyond our normal giving. But I would like you and, and, and like you to pray and consider your finances and talk to your spouse if necessary or whatever it is. And I want you to say, what can we do? On a, some type of regular basis. Some people did weekly or every other week, monthly, quarterly. Some people just say, hey, we're just going to do one big as much as we can. And so that everybody's got their own deal. I want you to pray and you consider, God, what would you have me do? Because I can't tell you that. I can't speak for you. I'm not going to like uh, manipulate you or guilt you or any. I don't roll like that. I'm not the guy that gets up and says, you know what? There's five people with $10,000 right now. And I, I'm not that guy. But I mean, if, if it is, I mean, but but I'm not that guy. So I'm not that guy. So uh, I want you to pray. Consider your finances. And then lastly is this, is I need you to write this down in your calendar. March 25th will be Pledge Week and Miracle Offering Sunday. Now, last year we separated these dates, but we also talked about legacy for six weeks and the calendar was a little bit different. And because this is an anniversary, we're going to do it all on one year. Because here's, here's what, if you remember a minute ago, I mentioned this, that what we did was, is everybody pledge what they would do on an ongoing basis. But then I asked you to like really go big and swing for the fence. And I asked you to do this. Could you do a one-time offering and ask the Lord, what is the best one-time single offering that I can do? Because here's the deal. If you look at the pledges, it's not enough to get us there. Does that make sense? What, what you need is you need that boost, Right? You need, you need a little, a, a little nitrous. You need, you need a little something, something. You need a little help. You need a little. And so what we did last year was we said, hey, to get a rocket into space, you need a big boost. And that's what Miracle Offering Sunday was. And so literally a third of all that we brought in last year was brought in on one single day. And so here's, here's what I want you to do when you pray and consider your finances. Number one, what would my pledge be? As a matter of fact, ushers, could we do that right now? I'm going to hand out. Ushers, just do it as quickly as you can, and, and, and it's all good. Just pass them out. You can get these later. This is just something for you to take so you can see what it looks like, and then also for you to pray about. So there's a pledge. That's what they're handing you. But on March 25th, what I want to do, and we did it last year. If you weren't here, what we did was we literally had these tables with these baskets down front here, and we all brought our offering to the Lord. It was just something kind of unique we've never, ever done before, but I felt like it was really special. And then we actually had the whole church surround all the pledges and pray over them. And so that's what we're going to do on March 25th. And so, again, if you need to re-up or change or tweak your pledging, maybe some of you said, hey, Todd, I pledged, but I really kind of fell off, but I need to rededicate and refocus and recalibrate. Then it's time to do that. If you've never done this before, then you're starting fresh. What can I do as my best single offering? And then what can I do on an ongoing week as my pledge? Now, last year, it did not matter how much I said the date. <laughs> Everybody was confused. Everybody say March 25th. So today's date is March what? Is it 4th? Okay. So literally, this is in three Sundays, right? So in three Sundays from now, I need you to be here. Whatever you're doing, be here on that day. If nothing more than for your prayer and faith, I need you to be here on March 25th. It is one of those monumental dates. Last year, this is, by the way, this is the anniversary of last year's miracle offering. 
It was incredible. And I need, you, I need your prayer and I need your faith. And then again, if you're rolling with me, if you're a newbie, a new beginnings, this is my home, this is my church, this is my pastor, this is what our future is, this is what God is saying to us, we're all on board, then I need you to pray. I need you to consider your, fast, uh, consider your finances and ask yourself this question. What can I do? What's my very best one-time gift? And then what can I pledge above and beyond my normal giving over the next two years? And I'll leave that to you. Can I close with one more story? There's this great story. Um, Dr. Edwin Orr was a professor, like a seminary professor at Wheaton College. And um, back in 1940, he decided to take a handful of his students on a kind of a fun, what do, what do you call it, field trip, right? When you're in school and you get to go to In-N-Out Burger and see how they make things. You want a field trip. Well, this is a seminary professor. So where does a seminary professor take his students on a field trip? They travel to England. And they go to the home of John Wesley. If you don't know who John Wesley is, the Wesleyan and the Methodist movements trace back to him. He was probably the greatest revival preacher of his generation. The man literally, and he went on horseback everywhere he went. Like they documented the thousands and thousands and thousands of miles that he went on horseback. And I think he circled the globe a few times if you counted it all up. The man was a preaching machine. He would literally go to one town, preach in the morning, get on horseback, go to somewhere else for lunch, preach there, get on the horse, go somewhere else for evening, and go preach there. I mean, the man was a kingdom-wrecking ball. It was unbelievable all that this man did and, and, and the different people he was connected. It's just incredible. So they went. Dr. Orr took his students to the home of John Wesley. And so the students go in, and they look at his home, and I had this in the kitchen. It's kind of cool, famous person in the kitchen. You're like, what do they eat? Oh, that's where they had kitchen. That's where they had coffee in the morning. That's where they had whatever. And then they go into like uh, the, the office. They were able to go into John Wesley's office. And like literally, they had kept sermon notes on his desk. So you could go see old John Wesley's sermon notes. And his books are still on the bookshelf. And you imagine like this great preacher and theologian, the, 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 the spines on the back of the leather bound books. All these cool stuff. And then, and then they, went up, they went up to his bedroom. And they're like, this, this is where, this, this is weird. This is maybe too much. We're in his bedroom. But they noticed that next to his bed, on the carpet, were two worn-out patches right there next to his bed. And one student said, is that what I think it is? They said, yeah. John Wesley would spend hours and hours praying in that one spot. I mean, literally, carpet's worn out. And all the kids, are, you know, these are college kids. They're like, man, that's incredible. This is so cool. And so they all kind of gather up and round up, and they go outside and get on the bus. And Dr. Orr's like, okay, count. Because, I mean, kids, kids slip away. And so he starts counting. He knows right, one of these kids is missing. All right. And he goes in the house, looking around, looking in the kitchen, and all the whatever. And he walks up, and he's like, okay, let me go upstairs. And he goes up to where the bedroom was. And before he even got into the bedroom, he could hear this young man pray. He could just hear him. And he, and he walked into the room, and, and he would literally hear this kid who was just got down into those same worn out patches and he was praying and you know his prayer was lord do it again and do it through me lord do it again and do it through me and over and over he's lord do it again and do it through me so dr Orr finally the kids are waiting on the bus he reaches over and said um billy it's time to go and so billy graham got up off his knees and went and got back on the bus. Can we let that be our prayer? Like generations and generations of kingdom builders. People who were trying to lift up the name of Jesus. People who were trying to leave. Bless God if somebody left a legacy. John Wesley left a legacy. And if there's anybody that 
left a legacy, just passed away. Billy Graham left a legacy. Maybe we could make that our prayer today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe in our hearts we could pray, God, do it again and do it through us. God, do it again and do it through us. Lord, help us to be a legacy people. Lord, help us to be people who lift up the name of Jesus. Help us to be people that do something that ripples into eternity. Father, would would you help us, God, to take this message today and go and pray and consider? God, what can I, I do? What can I afford? What would you have me do? What can I sacrifice? God, speak to me. I can't tell you what to do. I don't know. You pray. But maybe we could also pray, Lord, do it again. And do it through us. Lord, that is our prayer today. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we have Lord of Bacon clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.